Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM, and my name is Rabbi Levi Afton from Linksfield Shola. It's a privilege and an honor to be here with you on today, this Tuesday, the 23rd of Shvat, the 25th of January. Hopefully we can Fabring together. And it's in the discussion, it's in the conversation that hopefully we could generate ideas that can enrich our lives. That's really the goal of the Favringen. And I know it will come across maybe facetious, but I mean it to be true that regardless of how well or unwell I prepare for the show, it's only once you're on the show and you kind of try to get the energy out of it that the ideas come. So it's very much based on an interaction, even though I'm not sure who's listening and we're not seeing each other. And, you know, I, I had one person tell a relative of mine, you know, Levy Afton doesn't know who I am, but I know him very well because I listen to him every week. So it's that kind of relationship where somehow through the radio waves, things, um, things are hopefully, you know, feeding off one another. So today I want to talk about an idea, but in order to give this idea, I have to give a small introduction. Introduction is, you've often heard it on this, on the radio, on this show, the idea that so often we live for others rather than for ourselves. We're trying to get popularity, the social media thing. I'm sure you've heard it a lot, a lot of times. Today I want to go a little more, what they say in Yiddish, able. It's a more delicate idea. It's not delicate as in uncomfortable, but it's, it's going a bit deeper. It is, even how we define ourselves regardless of the other people. I have to ask yourself a simple question. How do we regard ourselves in a healthy way? In other words, how do we see ourselves is not just a small question, it's a fundamental question. So regardless of how others see us, how do we see ourselves? In other words, if I asked you to define yourself, what would you tell me about yourself? You might start off by telling me your degree or your occupation, your marital status, your parenting status, your success status, or your failed, you know, your failures, if you're that kind of person. Um, you might tell me about the disappointments of your life. You might tell me about the accomplishments of your life. You might tell me about your dreams. You might tell me about your fantasies. You might tell me about your nightmares. But what all the above and much more have in common is they are about you, but they're not you. So it might fill the answer, tell me about yourself, but tell me who you are is a very different question. It's about me. Yeah, in other words, I could talk about about me. I could talk about my dreams. I could talk about my day. I could talk about my family. I could talk about um, where I come from and my history. Everything is about me. My degree is about me. My occupation is about me. It's not me. In each and every one of us is a thing, for now we'll call it a thing, that's undefined. There's something about us that cannot be defined. Let me explain. The def we live in a world of definitions, right? What are you? What do you do? Or where do you live? Are you married? Are you not? Etc. 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 Definitions. 
And the only way we make sense of the world is definitions, right? So we, we learn a subject and we're like, okay, this idea, where does it belong? Does it belong in my history brain or my mathematic brain or my relationship? Like we're, we're all compartmentalizing and trying to contextualize. We put everything in definitions because that's the only way we make sense of everything that's coming our way. So definitions definitely have a function. The issue is that definitions are very fragile. If, if let's say you're defined by your job, then what happens when you lose your job? If you're defined by your marriage, what happens when your marriage is on the rocks? If you're defined by your looks, what happens when your looks go away? And I'll say even more so, if you're defined by life itself, then what happens when death happens? Everything in this world that has a definition, by by definition, sorry for the pun, has a counter-definition. In other words, alive versus dead. Successful versus not successful. A doctor versus not a doctor, etc., etc., etc. There's a million, million points. And everything, every definition has another definition. Otherwise, you don't have to define it. Because why do you have to define it if it's the only thing there is? So if I am just my definitions, then what am I saying? I'm saying that there's nothing about me that's permanent. There's nothing about me that just is. Everything about me is vulnerable to extinction. Everything about me is vulnerable that tomorrow I will be less me. Now, let me just take a pause for a second. This stuff we're talking about is not just theoretical. It's really, really important. And it's not pop psychology. It's real. It's, it's, it goes to the heart of, of reality. Because how we define ourselves is not just how we define ourselves, but how do we define the world, how we define the universe, how we define God, how we define our fellow. If we see things in a world of definitions, then by what that implies is that the second that definition is out, this thing is less. So if someone says, Rabbi, tell me about yourself, and the first thing I could say is, well, I'm a, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a rabbi. All those things are not inherent. Please God, they, you know, long way they last. But they're not fundamental to me. Heaven forbid things can happen and, and, and that if if something if one of the things that I define myself by, heaven forbid, gets lost, then what? Am I less? If you are defined by your success, oh wow, look how many distinctions she got and you know how successful they've become. What happens when you come on hard times? What happens when you fall into the abyss of addiction? What happens when you your life starts unraveling? Are you less an individual? Are you less a person? Are you less worthy of Respect? Are you less worthy of basic human rights? No. Although I think some people would say, yes, what do you mean? Of course you are. You know, your rights go based on what you've accomplished. Your rights come with your responsibilities. In other words, your value is based not on your inherent value, but on what you do. That's a terrible way to see ourselves and a terrible way to see each other and very dangerous because then we start playing games like who's more valuable. Think about it. A lot of the conversations that are going on in the world of morality, whether it's the, world, the conversation of abortion or even a, a new machine term, post-birth abortion or euthanasia, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of them might sound like they're coming from a place of compassion, and there could be a lot of compassion involved in the conversation. 
But fundamentally what they're saying is there are certain lives that are less value than others. That if a person's living with no dignity, they shouldn't be alive. Yes, it might be painful for us to see somebody live with no dignity. And in theory, at certain circumstances, some of us might find ourselves standing at the deathbed of, on the bed of a loved one and just saying, God, please take them. They don't suffer. But as long as they're alive, their inherent value is no less than a person at the maximum of their potential. This isn't theoretical stuff, as you can see. It's, it goes to the heart, to the heart of how we see everything. What do we see things through? Through the world of definitions, or do we look to the essence? To look in the words of, in words of Kabbalah, etzem. Looking for the real, real core. If we can truly, truly look for the essence, we see things in an entirely different world, universe. On this theme, it's a beautiful song that came out recently from Eighth Day. And the theme of the song is, it's not about accomplishing, it's about doing. Similar to our theme, close enough. Would love to hear your thoughts. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson from Linksfield Show. This is the Fabringen Show. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Aftson, and we are talking today about definitions, or rather, how to break beyond definitions. So let's, let's introduce this segment by saying this. The moment you go beyond definitions, you go into a place that fundamentally is hard to explain because you cannot give any definitions. But it's the only place to go. If my value as a human being is something about what I do, something that happened to me, some place that I come from, some place that I'm going. In other words, it is not inherent in me, then it's not really me. It's a part of my life. It's not me. The true me, the true you, the true each and every one of us is a part that is undefinable. It's a part that nothing can change and nothing can transform. If it sounds awfully like how we define God, it's because the inherent part in each and every one of us is our godly soul, the neshama, the soul. And even the soul, we're not talking about various levels of the soul. We're talking about the essence of the soul. The essence of the soul that is a chilek alikami mal mamish, literally a portion of God. And just like God is beyond definition, just like God, nothing can change and impact him, and he's he transcends everything. He's bigger than anything. Nothing can affect him. As we say in the davening, You're the same God before the world was created, the same God after the world was created. Nothing affects you, because anything that affects God means by definition he's, lack, he's lacking something, which is a whole conversation for another time. But our soul has a drop of that. There's a part of us that is so pure and beautiful and undefined that nothing we do or nothing we don't do can affect it. And it's only when we see each other from that perspective that we can truly see the value of another person. You know, we often throw words around in parenting courses, etc., teaching unconditional love. 
And it sounds like a very, you know, easy term. Don't love your kid conditionally. Love them unconditionally. Now, like every cliche, it's very easy to get, you know, just to stop searching beyond the cliche. Yeah, I love my child unconditionally. But what does it mean to really love your child unconditionally? It's not easy stuff. What does it mean to love yourself unconditionally? And let's just say this. If you don't love yourself unconditionally, then you cannot love your child unconditionally. Because you can't give something you don't have. And how many people can say they love themselves unconditionally? And we're not talking about puppy love, and we're not saying, I'm awesome, I'm great, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. We're saying this. If love, in other words, the esteem, the connection, the inner value of oneself or the way we see others is beyond definition. In other words, there's nothing conditional about it. There's no conditions. And again, what does a condition mean? It means it could be here, it could not be here. I'm only going to love you on condition that you're beautiful. That means if you're not beautiful, I don't love you. So the truth is, even when you love the person, when they are beautiful, it's still not real love because you're loving them. The the love is based on something that's unpermanent and it's not inherent to them. It's not them. It's something about them that could become very instantly not them. Life changes, things happen. So if my love is conditional, in other words, it's based on something other than their, their inherent value, or in the words of Pirkei Avot, Ethics of Our Father, Ahava Hatluya Bedavar, love that is dependent on something, it will not last. Not only will it not last in the future, it's now not lasting. It's now not a permanent love. It's, it's fundamentally a flawed love and appreciation. So if I look at my child and my love for them is for anything other than this is my child. I am so proud of them just for them. You want to be proud beyond that? Great. But if if the, at the core there isn't the inherent love independent of anything, then I am not really loving my child and I'm not giving my child one of the biggest gifts a parent could give a child and that is my dear child, regardless of what you do or that you don't do, how much potential you actualize, how much potential you have, I love you for you. You're holding them back from such an incredible gift. That's the gift. And a person who gets that from the parent will be able to give it to themselves naturally. So many of us have never ever felt this deep unconditional love where you, for one person in the world, whether you're a parent or, or grandparent or who knows who, you are valuable just for you. Nothing you do or you don't do can change it in any way. If you've had that, then you could be comfortable in your own skin knowing I'm valuable. For some people, they'll find it in God. King David, David HaMelech, in Tehillim says, Ki avi ve'imi azavuni, My father and mother left me. More his father than his mother. His mother was actually, you know, a, a very dedicated mother. His father suspected him of not of being an illegitimate child. Another story for another time. And literally neglected him. But he's kind of symbolizing, he's saying, my family left me. I don't have a stable home. Hashem ya'asveini. And Hashem gathered me in. Hashem made me feel like I belong. Hashem took me in. He gave me that gift that parents need to give. And that is pure commitment, pure love. I am with you, my my son. I am with you, my daughter. You know, unfortunately, we live in a, a time where lots of our children are struggling in lots of different ways. 
how many times do people say, gosh, you know, I'm so glad that I grew up a few years before this world. It's a complicated world. I think it's beautiful, you know. When someone says, I don't want to bring children to the world, like, that's, that's not your business. In other words, Hashem gives us the first mitzvah in the Torah to have children, to bring them to the world if you can. But it's still a complicated world at the same time. And to be able to give kids this inherent love that no matter what mistakes you make, no matter how you go exploring yourself, you are mine. You are always loved. You're always welcomed home. There's nothing you could do to break the bond. You might disappoint me, or you might make me, you know, maybe very proud of your accomplishments, but those are extras that will not affect the core. And the core is your mind. And I love you. And I love you for who you are. That love is so all-embracing. It's so all-encompassing. It is almost choking in the best sense of the word. It's like a child surrounded with that much ahava, with that much love, cannot leave. And if they leave, they'll come running back. Why? Because everyone wants to be embraced in the love of unconditional love. Every one of us wants to be appreciated just for being. In Jewish mysticism, it's given an interesting bend. It asks the question, which moment of the day are you the truest version of you? Are you the undefined you? And the answer is the first moment you wake up, even before you say Moda'ani. At that moment, you are have not done anything. Your brain is barely working. Other than hearing an alarm clock, your ears might be working. But other than that, almost no part of you. And at that moment, you just wake up. And in that moment, there's nothing about you other than you. And that is a gift. At that moment, your value is, for not, is not based on anything you'll do the next, that day, not based on anything you won't do, not based on yesterday, just you. Another way of seeing it is childbirth. A baby born. A baby's not loved for the potential what they will turn into. It's not, we all hope our children will grow and turn into, but the inherent love that a parent has for a child, at least at that stage of the child's love, is unconditional. You're mine and I love you. Whether you're the cutest baby that ever came out or objectively you're not the cutest thing. I love you. Unconditional love means undefined love. There's nothing to define it. It's not anything specific other than just is. That's just the way it is. I love you. And those moments, whether it's birth, whether it's the birth of each day, that rawness is something that we have to remind ourselves, even when we go into the day, and we, we, we will go into a world of definitions. The point is not to be beyond this world. You go into the world. You'll wake up, and you know, within a minute, you're, you're, you're taking on your responsibilities as a spouse, as a parent. Uh, whatever, whatever your day is going to take, you're going to be playing lots of roles. But each day, for one split second, you're reminded that there's a part of you that's much bigger than any role. There's a part of you that no role can ever define, and therefore the lack of it can't define you either. I'm just here. And you want to know how Hashem loves each and every one of us. What does it mean Hashem loves each and every Jew? My, my firstborn, my pride and joy, 
I love you, says God. God, you love me, an eternal love. A great love, you love me. You choose us with incredible love. All the expressions of love, which is fascinating how much love of Hashem to us we talk about each day, both in the morning, in the night, just before the Shema, just before we declare to Hashem how much we love Him. And you shall love God your God. What is the introduction to that? God loves us. In other words, you want to understand how you could love Him when you realize how much He loves you. When you meditate, before you focus on your, your love to Him, when you meditate on His love to you, that will generate love for Him. So you, what is that love Hashem has for us? Just for being us. You know, there's, unfortunately, the religious people who will sell a narrative, which is a dangerous narrative and a false narrative, that God's love to us is based on what we do. And therefore, parents will tell their children, if you do this, you're gonna, God's gonna be on your side. If not, not. And they'll find a verse or two to support it, obviously without context, and just send it that way. Because it's a very great way to raise your kids. No, you just use the fair mongering. And you use the narrative that God is a dependent, uh, uh, His love is dependable on what you do. And yeah, you kind of scare them into doing that. But what a, dis- what a chilul Hashem. What a disgrace of God. Is that what you're saying? You're saying that God not only isn't He a great God, He's not even a decent parent. What parent loves a child just for what they do? And if a parent does, you need help. Poor kid of yours. Poor kids of ours. In other words, this is a challenge we all have. But to sit there thinking that God is, is a God that loves you based on what you do. Yes, he could be proud of your accomplishments. It could hurt him when you don't do. He could try his best to get you back, you know, on the, on the, on the straight and narrow. Fine. But his love is independent of what you do. Darkness and light is the same in front of him. Whether we, we, we live a life of darkness or we live a life of light, at this level of godliness, it's irrelevant because his love is just there. And it's only when we see ourselves and when we see each other through this light that we can truly create a world that people feel a sense of belonging and they want to connect to Hashem from a healthy place, not from a place of fear. Because here's the interesting point, as we'll explore after the the break. The more comfortable you are in the love, the more you actually will grow in your actions as well. Stay with us. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. So when you talk about unconditional love, often you get this thing, so what are you telling people? I've heard this argument too many times to count. You're telling them what they do doesn't matter. Are you basically saying, okay, you're good the way you are, so become a gangster? First of all, I don't know how many people understand that. But regardless, it's, it's exactly the opposite. When a person knows that they are loved inherently, they will want to live up to the faith the other person has in them. Every child that goes away from the straight and narrow goes away because they're hurting. They're not become, going because some intellectual thing said, let me, you know, drug myself up. Let me waste my life. Let me do, let me live a meaningless existence. They're, they're going for some kind of pain uncomfortable in their own skin, whatever it is. I'm not a psychologist. Sometimes I wish maybe I should have studied for it. They earn more than rabbis, but no, I'm not a psychologist. 
but there's pain inherent, and every time that you know we're breaking the mold and we're leaving, it's we're going out of pain. So when a person is loved unconditionally, you know what you're doing them, you're healing them, because what you're telling them is, don't be uncomfortable in your own skin. You're worth it. You're worthy. You're loved. You just are. You're ours. You mean something to us. And a person, when they're embraced with that kind of love, they could get comfortable in their own skin. And here's what happens when you're comfortable in your own skin. You live up to the faith people have in you. Why? Because if, if you're, if, if you love me so much and you see me as so beautiful, then I truly want to not only be beautiful in, in the core, I want to be beautiful in my action. I want to, I want to be that. I want to be what you see in me. And that's what happens when people go meet great, great, holy or like deeply refined people. They see you in such a beautiful light that you, for the rest of your life, you're trying to chase the version of you that they saw. Or a better word of saying it, you want to uncover and allow it to permeate you, that part of you that they saw. When a person embraces Hashem, loves them unconditionally, it doesn't make them lazy. On the contrary, if, if, if that's the truth, that I am beautiful, that Hashem, no matter what I do or don't do, He loves me. He obviously sees something in me that I'm not seeing in myself. Because if I saw it, I wouldn't live a trashy life. You don't live a trashy life if you see yourself as truly a prince or a princess. You don't live a trashy life when you see yourself as beautiful. Nobody comes and says, you know what, my clothing is so clean and so beautiful, I just want to now jump into the mud and get dirty, unless you're four years old. No, you want it to stay clean. Nobody who lives a life of, 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 of love and inherent self-value goes running. And it's an important principle that we remember. Nobody runs away from a healthy existence unless they're in such pain that they're just, they can't, that's, there's obviously something unhealthy in the dynamic or something unhealthy in themselves and they're, they're running. Whether it's abuse, whether it's disappointment, whether it's too much failure in, in their lives, people run. So the moment we can give them a hafti eschem amarashem, God loves you, we love you. And I truly believe this to be the only way to interact with our fellows, the way to, to, to connect with one another, because that's the only way that works. And this is not Leviathan ideology, I mean it's fundamental Jewish ideology, and I think the, I believe the greatest teacher of this was Lubavitcher Rebbe. Lubavitcher Rebbe, in, in numerous talks, spoke about the inherent value and he built the whole movement and the whole ideology and he educated the generation. You know, every too often I get asked by people, when's there going to be another Rebbe? And I always say, it's not happening. What do you mean? Doesn't Chabad need a leader? And yeah, I mean, it would, it would be nice, you know, and it would be. And please God, when Mashiach comes and, you know, all our leaders will be back and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have that. But the Rebbe's gift, even 30 years, because in a month's time will be 30 years since his stroke that, you know, two years later he passed away from, 30 years ago, his teachings are so powerful and so thorough and so appealing because they're true that 30 years later, it's, he's, he's stronger than ever. And what was it? 
what I believe to be one of his, if not his greatest teaching, to see ourselves and each other and the world for what it truly is. You see, because this is not only ideology of people, it's ideology of the world. You don't see the world just for the new cycle. You realize that this is God's world. And God created it. Maseyadav, this is Hashem's world. Marabu Masech Hashem. How beautiful is your creation, God. Each morning in davening, so many of the sections that we say, specifically Psuki de Zimra, the parts of song, based on a lot of it based on Te'elim, and other, we're just looking and we're saying, look at this beautiful world. Because what we're choosing to then say is, we're not getting fooled by the new cycle. Yes, we have to deal with imperfections, but at the core, this world is beautiful. As King Solomon describes God, I've come into my garden, he says in the book Song to Songs. And he's referring to this world. God comes to this world and he sees it as a garden, as a beautiful garden, as a, 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 a manicured, beautiful, magnificent garden. The fact that we don't see it is because we're not seeing it for what it truly is. It's the way we see our, the world. It's the way we see each other. It's the way we see ourselves. It's the way we see life for what it really is, for the etzem, for the essence. To not get bluffed by the, by the facade that the world seems to show us and tell us, oh, it's so chaotic and it's so this and it's so that. To tap into the real thing. To tap into the world the way it really is. This is God's world. Everything is godliness. When I say God's world, it's not Kel Ha'olam, God of the world. Kel Olam, God is the world. This world is pure godliness. And we don't have the eyes to see, but we can teach our eyes to see. We can teach our mind's eye to see. We can teach ourselves to not only be defined by psychological and physical and academic Definitions and any other definition, but rather to see ourselves, my value is simply in the fact that I am here. And everything else is a very far second. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Yachtsen, and this is the Fabringen Show every Tuesday from 1 to 2 p.m. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Yachtsen on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM, my name is Rabbi Levi Yafzin, and we're wrapping up what hopefully was an insightful, meaningful, and more than that, it's a transformative farbringen that we can choose to see things for what they really are. You know, even science has come a long way, and science has shown us that what we see isn't reality. You go with a microscope, suddenly the table you're sitting at is pretty much a bunch of atoms that are almost entirely hollow. And then you go even deeper and deeper and deeper. I mean, subatomic particles, etc. You come to a place where everything is pure energy, just bubbling into existence every time. So the world, even from a scientific and a physics point of view, fools us into seeing something, and then we cho- that, that's the way we see it. But just because I see something doesn't mean that's the true reality. It just means that's the way it's perceived. How much more so from a spiritual perspective? We see a complicated world. We see our complicated selves. We see trauma. We see pain. We see challenges. We see imperfection. But if we can choose to use the spiritual microscope and see things for what they really are, 
will see truly the most magnificent world, the most magnificent people in each other and most importantly in ourselves. Because it's only when you see it in yourself that you can truly share the love with others. Finishing off with a magnificent song, a bit in, yeah, kind of unconnected to the theme, but the you know the famous legend. It's not legend in a bad way. The true legend that Hashem tells us: if you keep the Shabbat, if you bring that peace in the home. Oh, and connecting it to the show, Shabbos is really the day when this essence is revealed, when you don't have to work to be of any value. So it is connected. If you if you keep the Shabbos. I will show you the lights of Zion. In other words, I will bring better times the coming of the Mashiach. Have a great day, and thank you so much for being with us. Shalom.